Last Sunday, we heard the final part of the ninth chapter of the Gospel of Luke. This is the fourth major part of the Gospel of Luke, and it lasts for an extended 10 chapters. Jesus has finished his ministry in Galilee, and now he's headed, determined, toward Jerusalem. He knows very well why he's going to Jerusalem. He's ultimately going to give up his entire life in order to finally bring salvation into this fallen, sinful world. He knows very well basically what's going to happen. He tells his disciples three major times on this journey that he is going to suffer and that he's going to rise from the dead. So on this journey, the disciples learn a lot more from Jesus about his basic teaching, and they learn a lot more about what it means to be a disciple, an authentic follower of Jesus. So today, and what I encourage you to do is please reopen this each day this week to continue to reflect on it. We hear most of the first 20 verses of the 10th chapter of Luke. For some reason that I don't understand, verses 13 to 16 are not read at Mass. I'll get back to those. Be sure you read those as well, please. Jesus, in this, at this stage, sends out 72 of his followers with all of their limitations to do what in chapter 9 he sent his 12 closest disciples to do. He sends them out into the towns and villages that he's going to visit to prepare the way for him. He tells them to go and do two principal things. Before I say that, 72 actually has some meaning. 12, the 12 closest disciples, presumably reminds us of the fulfillment of the 12 tribes of Israel. In the Old Testament, in Genesis 10, either 72 or 70, depending on the manuscript, refers to the number of nations on the earth. So it's safe to guess when Jesus sends out these 72 disciples, it's symbolic of his sending them out to the entire world. Later, after Jesus rises from the dead, before he ascends to heaven, he tells all of his disciples, you are going to be my witnesses, beginning in Jerusalem, going to the ends of the earth. We spent a lot of time on this during the Easter season. You and I, whether you like this or not, have a fundamental commission from Jesus. If we receive him, we are commissioned by him to go out to all people and to share him with all people so they have the opportunity to follow Jesus. So the 72 in this passage, you and I should take this as a big hit over the head. What these 72 in this relatively brief experience get from Jesus, you and I are supposed to get for our entire lives. So. He sends them out and he has them in this experience do two major things. They go into these towns and villages and they are to cure the sick. Jesus continually cures sick people. Some people physically ill, other people mentally ill, spiritually ill, most importantly, psychologically ill. Jesus recognizes people's problems, the ways that they're hurt and wounded and sick and he enters into those situations and brings his love. When he sends out the 72, that's the first part of the commission, to heal sick people. And the second thing is to tell people that the kingdom of God is here. That's the central theme of all of Jesus's teaching. There to prepare people for Jesus's coming. So whatever that means, telling them who Jesus is, telling them about his way of love, telling people about the kingdom of God. You with me here? Cure people who are sick, tell people about the kingdom of God. 
So when you look at this passage this week, take it in your life in 2022. What is Jesus telling you in this commission? What does he recognize about the world? And what does he recognize about you? I'll give you four straightforward realities to get you going. The first thing in there is Jesus makes clear that curing sick people and telling people about the kingdom are urgent. There's not a sense of, hey, go off, smoke a cigarette. When you feel like referring to me every once in a while, please put in a good word. There is urgency in this. It's like people who are harvesting, workers harvesting the harvest. I do not come from New Hampshire, so I know nothing about harvesting. But I do know that when the harvest comes, the workers work with urgency because the harvest is here. It's not going to stay fresh forever. You have to get out. You have to harvest it. You have to get it into the barns. There is an urgency about two things, curing sick people and proclaiming the kingdom of God. That is true for you and me if you are willing to accept this. Being a Christian 2,000 years ago and today is not about somehow being completely detached from everything material. But being a Christian 2,000 years ago and today is supposed to be about being detached to some extent from stuff and being urgently focused on living Jesus' healing love and proclaiming the kingdom. I presume that's all the details in there. Don't worry about what you're wearing. Don't worry about what you're carrying. Don't worry about what you're eating. Don't even worry about conventional ways of communicating. Get out there and live my healing love and proclaim the kingdom. Your stuff matters. Your job matters. Your money matters. Things matter. But the urgency of life is supposed to be today healing love of Jesus for other people and proclaiming the kingdom. If you don't like hearing that, fine. But there is no other Jesus. If you are willing to accept that, which I know a lot of you do, it is amazing how liberating it becomes about the stuff of the world. They fall into their proper secondary place. Second, Jesus tells people, when Jesus sends out the 72, it is clear that he knows the realities of this very nasty world. I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Again, not from New Hampshire, but I know enough, I read enough. Lambs and wolves do not get along. Lambs and wolves do not associate. Lambs and wolves don't spend time together because wolves eat lambs. Wolves always eat lambs. Go find a YouTube video where a wolf is lying down with a lamb. Does not exist. Wolves eat lambs. Jesus knows very well 2,000 years ago and today that he is sending his disciples with his love into a very real and unfortunately very nasty world. He knows it full well. So I hope you ask the question, why would he do that? Why would he send out lambs among wolves? If your spouse, unfortunately, is a wolf when it comes to Jesus, if you recognize that people in your family can't stand Jesus, if you have any awareness of how much people hate the way of Jesus, unfortunately, in this world and often in this country, if you recognize how nasty people are, you're exactly right. He's sending us out 
like lambs among wolves. How? Number three, Jesus makes clear when he sends out the 72 that they have within them peace. Remember in the scripture, peace is not the lack of uh, turmoil or even the lack of warfare. Peace is the power of God at the core of a person who's alive in God. Peace is integrity and wholeness and fulfillment and power that comes from God and is realized by a person who is actually alive in God. These 72, in this passage, this is way before Jesus's death and resurrection, way before they received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, and yet they have enough God within them, and presumably that's been fostered in their relationship with Jesus, that he says when you go into a household, you offer people your peace, the God who's within you. If the person is peaceful, is of God, that peace of God will remain on the person. If the person does not welcome God's peace, if the person is a wolf, the peace will return to you. Jesus is able to send 72 lambs among wolves because the lambs have the power of God within them. They are alive in God. God is infinitely, infinitely stronger than the worst human wolf. Jesus sends them out with confidence because the wolves are not, at least right now, going to destroy them. If your child really scares you, particularly your adult child, if this country right now really scares you, if the horrible things that are done by wolves really do take you aback, Jesus sends you into them as his lamb because you have him within you. We are about to receive post-Easter the fullness of Jesus Christ in this Eucharist. Do you think the nastiest person on this planet, including your mother-in-law, is stronger than Jesus Christ? Do you think that the nastiest person in this country right now has anything like that power? Of course not. He sends the lambs out because his peace is within them. Fourth, and finally for this part in this passage, Jesus is absolutely clear to his disciples, to the 72, how to handle rejection. When people reject you, and he says when a town rejects you, so presumably it's more than just this person, that person. When you're really rejected by the big body of people, you go out and you say the dust of your town on my feet, we even shake that off and we move on. But we also say on the way, the kingdom of God is at hand. When people reject them, the 72 are told to recognize it, shake the dust off, repeat, this is the truth, and move on. In the passage we just heard and what we heard from that passage, Jesus says it's going to be better on that day for Sodom than for that town. Remember Sodom in the Old Testament? Sodom is in the Bible the symbol of perverse evil. The people of Sodom freely reject God, and Sodom is destroyed by God in the Old Testament. Jesus is saying somehow, and that's where you have to read the other the verses, 13 to 16. He then says, woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, on the day of judgment. He says to Capernaum, which has been his home base in Galilee, that you, Capernaum, because you've rejected me, I'm paraphrasing, you're going to go to the netherworld. Jesus affirms in that passage and over and over and over in the Gospels 
there is a real possibility of hell. If people have the opportunity to get to know him and they really profoundly reject him, Jesus will accept that eternally. He'll affirm, you have rejected me with your evil. You will live apart from me eternally. So what's the point here? Today in 2022, if you recognize how terribly people really do reject the truth of Jesus, including people who have the opportunity to get to know who he is, and this upsets you, is it enough for you that they may go to hell? Is it enough for you the fact, the truth is, people may go to hell for rejecting the truth of God? Is there something more that you want? There is nothing more to be had. Why do I say that? Too many Christians, I believe, these days are so upset about the evil of the world and this country that they remain angry. It's just not acceptable in the long term. You got to shake the dust off your feet. You got to say this is the truth, and we have to move on. We have to live his healing love. We have to proclaim his kingdom. If the possibility that people can go to hell and Jesus is their judge is not enough for you, something is wrong with you, it must be enough for you. So the 72 go out, they come back rejoicing. Interesting, the wolves have not destroyed any of them. They rejoice because clearly they have fulfilled the mission and they've witnessed somehow that the devil has been defeated in the course of their doing what Jesus sends them to do. Jesus affirms this. He says that he has seen the devil destroyed through their work. He affirms that they have power and that no harm will be done to them. And then he says the key conclusion, don't rejoice because you have this authority over the evil spirits. Rejoice because your names are written in heaven. The final part of that passage is, these 72 are on the path of eternal life. Like Jesus, plenty of these 72, presumably, after his resurrection, when they do go out into the world, they are really persecuted, and some of them are killed, like Jesus. They ultimately have received, after his resurrection, the full power of his life and love. They're on the path of eternity. Whether they have easy lives, difficult lives, or if they're killed ultimately because they live that mission to all of the world, his healing love and proclaiming the kingdom, they live eternally. The human history's end has been written. The wolves do not win. Jesus, the lamb, and any of his lambs win. The end of all of human history is Jesus Christ. If you and I choose to live in him now, that's our ending. Your ending is meant to be Jesus. Your ending should be Jesus. Thank you for listening. To learn more and to get involved, go to stpatrickparish.com.